Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast is recorded live from Studio WKRD in Greenville, South Carolina. This podcast is brought to you by our friendly local game store, Boardwalk, purveyors of fine games. Bezier Games, the new classics. AEG, we make fun. The Game Steward, your second chance at Kickstarter games. And Game Toppers, LLC, upgrading your gaming experience. Your hosts are here to help you sort through the cardboard commotion to help you find the diamonds in the rough. So buckle up, especially if you're driving right now, because you're about to arrive at the Tantrum House. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today we got Will Meadows. Sarah Meadows. Melissa Delp. Kevin Delp. And Ryan Pills. In the house. Welcome to our podcast episode, everybody. We typically record these puppies a week in advance, and then we publish them for all of our podcast listeners, as technology would have it. However, (laughs) this week, things didn't quite work out. We lost it all. It was a great episode, and we thought, why don't we try that one more time, see if we can pull it off. So today, we're coming at you live. Uh, We're actually recording this while doing a Facebook Live podcast episode. I don't know what we're calling it, but we are live right now. looks like there's a couple of people already tuning in. Thank you guys for coming our way. Uh, we'd love to, in this episode, talk about some of the things that we already talked about last week, which include some of the games that are going to be on Kickstarter this week, as well as we're going to be sharing our experience playing the new Scythe sequel, Expeditions. So hang around if you want to know a little bit more about that. Uh, and then, as always, we're going to start the episode off by talking about some of the games that we've been playing recently. Uh, just having fun around the table. And then, as well as, if you guys uh, have questions for us in the comments or if you want to chat with us, we'd love to talk with you live while we're here. So uh, let's get this episode started by talking about some of the things that we've been playing recently. What are some of the things you played two weeks ago that you still want to talk about now? (laughs) Well, I love word games. I'm a little bit of a nerd that way. I'm actually a writer as my daytime job. So um, I recently played a game called Glom, G-L-O-M. It's from Indie Boards and Cards. And in the game, you're trying to rewrite common phrases. So each round, you're going to have three cards that flip. One is the phrase, something like, the dog ate my homework. The next card is going to give you a specific rule for that round. So it may be... None of your words can start with the same letter, or you can only use one vowel per letter or per word, or... The first word has to start with a certain number of letters. Right. So all different sorts of rules, but you're going to have one for the round in addition to the rule that you cannot use any of the words that are originally in the phrase. This, the third card that you're going to draw is a goal, and that determines who actually wins that round. And it may be something like the player who uses the longest word, or the player who has the most double consonants, all sorts of things. So, for example, we had one round that was my dog ate my homework. Good example. And (laughs) the rule was something like the first word has to start with five letters, and then the goal was to have the most... Exactly five, or a minimum of five? Exactly five. Exactly five. And then the goal was to have the most of a letter. So I did... Puppy appetite appropriated the appointed 
paper. I, I think I said pages, but I should have said papers. There's more peas. Yeah. Two peas in there. Okay. So it was something like 10 or 11 peas in that Wow. Phrase. She totally won that round. Yeah. I was like, doggies. You got me 2G. Doggy. I did, I can't ca- even get five I did canine. Isn't that more than oh, that's five six. <laughs> Never mind. Canine without the E at the end. <laughs> it can help if you can't spell right because then you can get anything to be five letters. <laughs> Yeah, so I've really enjoyed it. I'm going to take it to work and play it with some of my coworkers. What does it look like? Is it it, it would not is it like prototypey or oh, is it this is a published game? Published game. The okay. graphic design is very minimal. Okay, it's, the box is probably about the same size as Severn Lake, or kind of I'll the talk about um, that one next. <laughs> the uh, the Ganchong Clever's boxes. Okay. So it's not a big box. It has three very decks minimal. Of cards. It's got like a red deck, a blue deck, and a yellow deck, and they're the and ty- a sand timer because you have all you need. But like, the typeface is not good. <laughs> oh well, then, then I'm sad. <laughs> it's a writing game, not an art game. Why can't it be both? <laughs> All right, talk about Savernick first. Okay, so cool. We had the opportunity. Uh, it's been two weeks now, but to visit family in Denver and play some games while we were there. One of the games that we got to the table was this new one from Devere, and it's a, I guess it's a tableau building game. You are uh, animals in the forest. You are trying to. Uh, I don't know if you're preparing for winter, probably. Mm-hmm. I think you're yep. storing up goods. And each round, you're going to draft a card from those available in the shop. And depending on where you draft it from, you'll get a bonus. And then you're going to play that card into your 4x4 four four or 5x5, five five, I don't remember, a grid. grid, some kind of grid. Mm-hmm. And you are either going to be drafting uh, cute little woodland animals that have specific appetites for the types of things that they want to eat, or you're going to be uh, drafting uh, path cards and you are going to – your character, your creature can only go so far and you only like certain things. And so you're trying to build out paths and characters together in a way that work. And you don't want to get too many good tasty treats in your path that your animal can't eat. And so you've got to balance between how long of a path do I get, how many animals do I get. And at the end of the game, it just starts getting tight because it is a perfect 4 by 4 or 5 by 5 grid. So you've got to figure out exactly where those last little pieces go. And then, as I mentioned, each time you draft a card, you get either – the ability to like multiply the number of foods that you can eat or multiply the the distance that your your furry friend can travel. So simple, pick one card, add it to your pile, but really, really thinky as you get to the end of it. And very much enjoyed Saver Snake, Savernack, Naki, Savernacky. That one, the forest. It's in England. It's in right? England. I looked this up. Oh, I was like, how forest? do you say this? And then I realized, oh, it's I still am not unclear, but like I also don't phone. have a British accent. And then so. you guys all looked at the phone while I yes. was. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> Having some fun with the live Facebook audience. Let us know what games you guys have been playing. We'd love to know uh, what's on your tables, what games you're enjoying. Maybe we've played some of the same ones. What else did we get to the table recently? I introduced my cat-loving sister to Calico. Got to. And she was so thrilled as soon as I pulled out the little... Cat pieces. She was literally. She was already. Yeah, she was very giddy, and she was like, "This is going to be my favorite game, no matter what." Well, I think she ended up winning. Didn't she even have a cat whose name was the same as one of the cats on the? Oh, that's cool. (laughs) She was like freaking out. What cat's name is that? I guess I've never really read through the entire rule book before, but there's a whole profile section at the back of the book that's all the cats in the game are actual cats. Mm -hmm. Very cool. 
We uh, played Stranger Things Upside Down. This is from Simon. Uh, we've done uh, a playthrough video, and uh, you can check that out if you want to sort of see a full playthrough. I think it was a four-player playthrough. Anyway, yeah, this is a fully well. co-op. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Spoilers. It's a fully co-op game. In the box are basically two games. There's season one and season two that are replayable. Uh, season one is basically like season one of the TV series of Stranger Things where you're trying to save Rescue Will. Uh, very difficult. Everyone's playing a different character with asymmetrical player powers. And then season two, not only do you have to save Will, but you also have to close the gate. Um, let's just say, let's just say season either one. <laughs> we never did either easy. one. Either one are easy. That's right. So we introduced Will and Sarah to it, and I think Ryan. And season two is definitely harder than season one. Uh, we actually did win season one one time. Congratulations! It was a two-player game. Yeah, I was not um, close. The, it seems like the higher player counts are a little bit more difficult. I think it's just the way the game's built. Right, because it's cooperative. It's the type of game where. The player takes their actions, and then the game does something bad. So you're having something bad happen after every person's turn. So yeah. with two players, we were able to synchronize a little better mm. with our powers. With yeah. four players, bad things. Just well, yeah, four all players. The time. Everyone wants to get their allies and their items. So you're, everyone's trying to beef themselves up. But it's it's too little, too late yeah. <laughs> at that point. Although we did have some pretty high points, right? I felt we made some in, good moves, and then some very low points, crushing back. Uh, <laughs> so you can definitely check that out on our YouTube channel if you'd like to see the playthrough of season two. A lot of people are doing season one, but I thought it'd be cool for Sneak people ahead. to season two. So. Getting anyway. some good suggestions in the chat. It looks like uh, Rick suggested that we introduce your sister to Cat Lady next. Which is she also has dogs. A great so idea. Oh, what is was, there a dog lady? Yes. It's not dog I, lady. It's, it's not, dog something. It's, it's not dog park. Dog lover? I think Does that, that sound? Sounds right. That's one of them. Yeah. So she needs all of them. That's the answer. <laughs> Barry's been playing Lacrimosa, which is a great one. Can you believe I haven't played Meadow yet? It's like my I last know. name. I feel like I'm a fan Neither one of us. <laughs> I've played Meadow now. So you'll need to play it either at Origins or Gen Con, I think. Okay. I mean, it's a yeah. good goal. I think mm-hmm. Annie Cotton taught us at the last Tantrum Con. Did she? She left so. me out. She should have come find the meadow. And she she should have. have. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Ryan, you got any games? What did you play last week? Anything cool happening at the Pills house? We played G.I. Joe Mission Critical. It was fun. Oh, yeah. And uh, I also got some games of Call to Adventure. So that's like one of my favorite games. So I think I may have seen forced other down. people to play that. <laughs> Did they enjoy? Did you guys win? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I won. But <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody had fun. So losing to you. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. We uh, we had a game night just recently and had the opportunity to teach bunches of people's games. I always enjoy teaching um, Project L. That one is a winner. Like it doesn't matter. I taught it to some elderly ladies who had a blast with it and then i taught it to some teenage girls right after that and it's like equally fun regardless of your gaming experience or gaming preferences <laughs> rick wanted to know if you have ptsd from stranger things since you had looks of terror on your Ooh, face oh I, I have <laughs> yes what is i it? thought you were gonna ask if i had ocd which i probably also have i have a but. question about that now <laughs> since some of you played it is this something like oh i want to try it try it again to see if we can beat it or is this like that's oh, just too hard <laughs> I would be ready to, to like willing to cheat a little bit and try again. <laughs> oh, like ever, surprise! Everyone starts with an ally or something. <laughs> give me something. Hook me up. Not even accidental cheating. <laughs> just straight purposeful up cheating. Give me a buff right out of the gate. I'll be ready. That to was a, a comment that came up during the live play that there isn't really a scale or a way to change the game for difficulty level. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but no. we did give a bunch of suggestions right, at did. the end of the playthrough. There's a totally legit question out there, and we haven't talked about this on the podcast in a while, and so oh. we should definitely cover the fact that we really don't have any new TantrumCon news. <laughs> we have been... We're still wrapping up TantrumCon 2023, like... Yes. Yeah. We've loose been ends. waiting on the hotel for yeah. a long There's time. There's been some venue billing issues. There's been some inventory locationing things going on. We There have been conversations. We're planning on it. It's going to happen, but we really don't have a date for when tickets are going to launch yet, or even exactly where we got it narrowed down but need to in the carolinas right we probably in north carolina but we need people to find want papers. us to go out west they want us to do europe they want us to do i want to do a cruise who's in for a board game cruise, a board game cruise? That? i don't know Ooh, it'd be amazing <laughs> i'm down i'd be conflicted i like i'd rather enjoy the cruise and then play board games Why not but you both? have days at sea so if your boat doesn't have a billion that's amenities. True. Yeah, just you have you to skip sleeping is what game. it comes down to. Okay. Go watch the comedy show. Come play a board game. Okay. Go to the ice skating rink. <laughs> come play a board game. Uh, good stuff. Any other games at the table recently? I feel like we had more, but I don't remember what they were. It's fine. We should just move to our Kickstarter conniption. Let's do it. Kickstarter conniption. So in this episode, we'll be talking about six games that are coming to crowdfunding platforms during the middle of June 2023. Melissa, start us off. Well, I'm looking at a game that's coming June 15th, so just a few days from now, and that is Inventions from Eagle Griffin Games. This is another pairing of um, Vitalis Erda and Ian O'Toole. Together to bring a, another game from Eagle Griffin. So there's lots of them. Weather Machine, I think, was one of the. Oh, I'm back in. I'm paying attention again. On Mars. <laughs> On Mars, Weather Machine, lots with this uh, duo together of um, art and mechanics. So, Inventions, I like the theme of it. You are inventors creating inventions. The uh, I guess the tagline is inventions, evolution of ideas, and the the cover is cool. It's kind of like this light bulb, but has I don't what what art style is that? Well, that's a great question. It's got some Art Nouveau it's aspects like, to it, but I don't know what else to. It's, it's an Eno tool, right? Exactly. <laughs> How else would you explain it? Well, so this is it's a like a lithograph in a way or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know any of these art terms, so sure. Anyway, it is a worker placement game, competitive, where you are creating these inventions and other players can help you innovate them. You are upgrading things on your boards. It's going to be complex. The weight's going to be high. Heavy. It's going to (laughs) take two to three hours. So it's going to be one of those in-depth uh, Euro games, worker placements from Vitalis Erda. Um, I, I'm trying to think. Escape Plan might be the only Lacerda I you have played. played. Co two. Oh yes, yes, I have played Co two. Yeah, I did get to play a number of his games when we were at that Adam event uh, sponsored by 
couple different companies. And he was there. He taught us Weather Machine, which was fantastic. Uh, we, there was one day where I played games all day long. And at the end of the day, I realized I actually only played three games today. <laughs> they were all four-hour Lacerda games. But they were amazing. Uh, I didn't get to play Inventions. I saw it on the table. It does look super cool. And it's going to be, I think, right in line with uh, yeah, all the other ones that he's got out there that are just, you got you to gotta plan ahead. You got to plan well. And good luck to you. Yeah, thematically, I think it's funny that the points in the game are intellectual property points, IPP. So I thought that was a fun thematic thing. This is Inventions from Eagle Griffin coming June 15th. On June 13th, we have Nestlings coming from Tangerine Games. Tangerine Games is a newer publisher in the board game world. And I have a copy so the people on Facebook can, you can see, see it. it. Sorry, podcast people who are doing <laughs> Nobody saw that. That was off frame. You're good. All right. There we go. <laughs> Everyone heard that. There you go. There's Nestlings. Uh, this is a very aesthetically pleasing game. It has, uh, it's competitive where everyone's, um, they're sort of in charge of a nest of birds and they are rolling dice and those dice are being placed, uh, sort of a dice placement sort of turn order into different biomes. You have um, deserts and water and di- there's four different biomes. Actually, there's five different biomes. Placing those dice, getting resources from those biomes and those biomes um, give those resources. Those resources are then given to, you know, help feed your birds or you can uh, use those to put um, to finish goals. Uh, there's like goals that you're trying to complete during the game, end of the game and then there's also uh, segments that you're trying to complete on your player board. And when you complete a, a whole segment of a different biome, you're getting special powers. So lots of different ways of getting points and, uh, yeah, trying to figure out what biomes you're going to to get the right resources. So that's Nestlings. And that's launching June 13th, so tomorrow, from Tangerine Games. Brian, do you have a game? Yes. And I'll try to get myself Switch on camera. camera angle, sir. <laughs> doing so many things right, I know, covered all the all technical right. tonight so coming January 20th from January or June? June 20th, I don't know, there's a lot going on <laughs> a year from now uh, is the Gloomhaven RPG uh, it is a card based game and it's going to be able to interface with the cards from Gloomhaven and Frosthaven, supposedly. And uh, you'll be able to use the materials from that as well. Uh, originally, they were just doing a campaign to bring minis to the Gloomhaven universe. So there's like 200 or 600 or something. There's just a ridiculous amount of minis that are coming. Uh, and you'll be able to play this RPG with them. So I'm interested to see how you do that. I haven't actually played Gloomhaven, but I understand it is card-based, so uh, they're somehow adapting that so that you can play an RPG with it. Ryan, you're like Inception over there with the computer screen. It's pretty cool. Oh, interesting. I can't see it <laughs> when I do it. <laughs> Don't look so, behind you. Uh, but, Will, do you have something? I do. Yeah, so one of the games that I'm excited about coming out very soon is a new expansion to the game, Coloma, from Final Frontier Games. This is from Johnny Pack, the designer, and then it's the art is from the Micho again, and it's uh, <clears throat> this is the one to six player game where you have this. You're in like the Wild West. There's a big rondelle in the middle of the board, and you're trying to get gold and and get points and win the game. Uh, in the game, there's uh, the, a wheel in the middle, and you can like bust, which is a terrible thing. However, in the new one, um, the new expansion is going to add a 
um, function. There's a character, Buster, in the game, and he is going to be on the wheel, I believe. And in this one, he's now helping you. So, like, you kind of want it to bust. I don't know if I fully understand how the mechanics are going to work, but uh, he's going to be hopping around you the wheel. Benefits. Yeah, and he'll give you – it'll be good. You want to bust. <laughs> Uh, the game is also going to feature uh, some new, uh, I can't remember what I saw in here, um, something about, uh, what was it? Because it was exciting. Uh, waterfall tiles that are going to be added to the rivers, and then there's a, a bunch of different like abilities to lose your dudes in the game. So, I don't know, lots of new twists. The box art for it looks sharp, and if you're a fan of Coloma, then you're definitely going to want to check out the new expansion. It is called, one more time, New Prospects. Sarah, you got one? Yes, coming June 13th is uh, Fairies and Magical Creatures. And this is from um, Forbidden Games from designer Glenn Drover. And it has some gorgeous art from Annie Steg-Gerard. And in the game, you will be doing deck building and tile placement and a little bit of area control. And so you have your own player board. You'll have ways to gain tiles to build a garden for your fairies. Uh, we have a way to um, gain more cards and then add those to your deck for the deck building portion. And then there's ways to um, befriend the different fairy faction or different factions. They're not all fairies. There are some fairies. but um, And you will... Uh, just take one action on your turn and then everybody else at the table also will take that same action. And then when it's your turn, you also get to play a card for free out of your hand. And so um, you'll want to build your deck in a way that helps you in whichever area you're focusing on. But you, you'll need to make sure that you're doing all three, the deck building, tile laying, and um, the area control portion. So um, my... Son did the vid- Xander did the video uh, overview with me, and uh, I did have a great time playing with him. He was very excited. Can we play this again? Um, and he was also very excited that it, the deck is not just fairies. He was a little worried that the deck was going to be <laughs> a bunch of fairy art. He was like, "Oh, there's some really cool creatures in here." So um, check that one out. Uh, fairies and magical creatures from Forbidden Games. I couldn't tell if he was having fun because he knew he got to do the video, or if he that he was beating me the whole. Yeah, time. I think that was part of it. I was. It didn't seem like the type of game that he would like, but then he did genuinely enjoy it. Like he did want to play it again. He was excited to do the video. He was talking about strategy. I was like, oh, this is not. It didn't look because maybe it was just because the fairies was a giant word on the front of the box, but tile placement like didn't seem like it was going to be his type of game. He definitely had a fun time with it. Kevin, you got one? I've got one last one. This is from Smirk and Dagger, launching tomorrow as well, June 13th, called Adventure Party, the role-playing party game. This is for three to eight players, and takes about a half hour or so to play. In the game, uh, there is a GM, and every player has a screen that they have, um, a player screen with one 20-sided die. Every player has a die. And they, there's a story, a scenario, sort of very classic RPG stories, very classic RPG um, characters, uh, paladins, and all the all those things that you would normally see. And there's a scenario. In the scenario, players um, are rolling their die behind their screen, and basically they're telling parts of the story as they're going through uh, the the game. And you have to sort of tell your story 
how well you think or based on the die roll. So if you rolled low, then you didn't do as well. And you sort of have to convey that in your story. The GM has to figure out, guess what they think the number you rolled was. And I think that's the fun part of the game. I like it. And uh, so if you, you know, if they get it, then they're going to get experience points, which is going to help you in the game. And then uh, Melissa and I played a prototype of this at Gen Con last year with uh, Kurt, uh, with Smirk and Dagger. And it was very interesting because like, as you're going through the story, like, I don't think I did well. And then another person was rolled high and they like sort of saved me with like, it was very interesting because I like had like strung an arrow and had shot it and it like totally missed. And then the next person was like, yeah, but I saw you're about to miss. So I threw my sword at the arrow and the arrow then hit the dragon in the heart or something like that. It was like, cause so it was very interesting in that way. Yeah. If you roll low or high, it's kind of easier to make the story, but right. you're like, Oh, this was a 13. So it's not like awesome, but not terrible. So trying to, figure out how to convey the the level of your How do you role. actually guess what the person do you write it down do you vote like how do you guess what the GM role? just guesses he the just number guesses the number yep and then however many he's off by is like how I many think points he gets yeah I don't remember exactly but there's experience points that you're gathering for your party I could definitely so. see that being super fun and this is a really good timing for it too because I actually just watched the Dungeons and Dragons movie mm-hmm. and as I'm watching the movie I, I like we were talking about it out loud you were loud. playing the game right and it was like oh he just rolled a one you know whatever. Right. <laughs> like, oh no that's definitely <laughs> 20 that dude nat right there crushed it It that made it fun knowing that that was going on ryan is actually working on an overview video that he's going to publish with maybe katie yeah i i sure hope katie will be in it (laughs) otherwise it'll be just me (laughs) it looks like it'll be fun i'm looking forward to trying it you and farron it sounds sounds good did you have one more sarah um, I have a game I'd like to talk about that's currently on Kickstarter Ooh. that I don't know if we talked about last time is Roll on the Range from okay. 25th Century Games. This is a $5 print and play. Uh, so if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and head over to the Kickstarter campaign right now. Um, it's up for a few more days. And the I normally don't do print and plays. Mm-hmm. I am just... I'll I'll play a published game. I got enough games. I'm I don't have time to do a print and play. But you. this one is you print out a sheet for each person, and there's um, six cards. And then if you want to print out the goal cards, um, you could just leave them on the sheet if you wanted to, and mark which ones you're going to use if you didn't want to cut them out. Um, and then you just need a handful of dice. And so uh, in the game, you're going to lay out the six different. Um, icons that you'll use as your actions and then you'll roll the dice and everyone will draft dice off of the cards and then if any of them are not used they'll get pulled out of line and pushed to the end so the next time you roll dice you'll lay them out one one through six on all the cards depending on what you rolled so sometimes they will the order gets rearranged so there'll be different numbers for different dice and you are adding animals to your ranch and trying to build fences around them so they are all penned in and you can go to the state fair and get some bonuses and um it was an enjoyable time we played this with my family a couple weeks ago and um we all had fun somebody complained about oh i can't draw and i was like oh but 
all of these animals are based off of very simple shapes. So if you can draw a square and a triangle, you can play the game. So <laughs> it worked out great. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat. I actually was surprised by the level of depth that it had because the first time we played it, it it's, it's a pretty simple like draw an animal into a square type of thing. But there are some uh, bonuses that you're unlocking, and then the goals that you're trying to achieve really do shake up the way you play the game each round. Because one time you might be trying to get all the whatever the sheep in one spot, the next time you're trying to like checkerboard pattern it, and there's just like all kinds of different things going on. So for being a simple like click print and play it type of game. Yeah, super fun and oh, really enjoyed. Worth more than five bucks. For sure, for sure. Well, excellent stuff. I think that pretty much wraps up our Kickstarter conniption portion of the show. But but there's more show to come. <laughs> <laughs> we do want to spend some time talking about a game that we had an opportunity to play uh, just I just had an opportunity to play it just last week. Kevin and Melissa have, have gone into the table a number of times, and we did put together a, um, what do we call those, viewpoints video where we talk through some of the different parts of the game. But we thought we'd spend a little bit of time here. We know that you can't see it. Wait, you can see it. Go to Facebook, uh, and you can see what we're talking about in the game. Uh, Melissa, why don't you give us a quick rundown of the game, and then we will talk about our thoughts on it. So this takes place in the world of Scythe, but it is after scythe after the war and a meteorite has landed in siberia which actually is kind of a true ish event i was reading today on the internet you're there reading was, today on the internet that's amazing yes on a true ish event there was kind of a meteorite ish thing that landed in that area of siberia oh, in okay. 1908 all right cool wow, this is 1920 and a bunch, plus though. and a bunch right. of mechs popped up oh, okay. right. so alternate universe anyway you are um basically going on an expedition each player has their own expedition that they're going on to study these meteorites that are corrupting the land and it's basically on your turn you're going to take some actions you're either going to move your mech onto an empty tile you're going to gather by activating that tile or you're going to play cards from your hand this is a very card driven game mm -hmm. and you are trying to get workers that will match your cards and if you can get a worker that matches the card you can get an extra ability and there's lots of awesome things you can do with those cards if you have the right types of workers you are collecting uh, power and guile to then be able to vanquish the corruption in the land. And basically, you're doing all of this to get points. If you're familiar with Scythe, there's still the aspect of completing goals or achievements to put out your glory stars. Although now you need an action to actually put the star out on the board to show that you've achieved that. Mm -hmm. And the end game is triggered when four stars have been placed by a player you get to play one more round turn, and then um, you count up points from a variety of things that you've gathered points for. Uh, one of the interesting things are there are only three different types of cards, items, meteorites, and quests. And throughout the game, you can tuck them under your mech to get bonuses and benefits that are going to help you throughout the game. Oftentimes compounding and crushing other people's spirits. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely say, like Melissa uh, was saying, the card-driven nature of this game uh, can appeal to some people and might turn other people off. I think, like, Wingspan has a little bit of that. And I'm not saying that it's like Wingspan, but Wingspan is very card-driven as well in a different sort of way. So getting cards that work well for your strategy in expeditions um, and uh, having them sort of 
connect together is going to feel really good if they do. And then sometimes I've had games now where I'm like, oh, these cards just aren't synergizing as well as I hoped. And it wasn't as good a feeling. I agree with that. I think the first time you play it, like I actually felt like I was doing pretty well most of the game <laughs> until I got to the end and had like half the score of everybody else. So the good thing is if you're not paying attention to score, like it's a pretty good experience regardless. But when you have those games where all the cards do line up and you get exactly what you needed at just the right time, then it's magical. I will say now I've played this a number of different type of people and most of them have played Scythe. It's very interesting to say like they... You know, a lot, there's a lot of people who really, really enjoy Scythe. But most of the people that I play this with now be like, I like this game better than Scythe. Interesting. And I, I'm i wondering it's because – I'm not sure if it's because Scythe's older now. So it's, you know, it's people – Lost its shininess. Maybe lost its shininess a little bit. But maybe this is just a, a more – a game that maybe appeals to more people. And Scythe is maybe very specific and like you need to – have a specific strategy to win, whereas this one you could sort of have different strategies. Yeah, and I kind of, well, I actually was going to say the opposite of that. I think this game, everybody is kind of tr- generally trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like in Scythe before, like one of the times I played it, I tried to just go attack everybody and it didn't work out. And I was like, I, why would I even want to do this? <laughs> and I think there are like, there are different, you can play Scythe in a couple different ways and still win, I guess, using very different strategies. Okay. In this game, like, the strategy is play your cards well, get the good <laughs> cards so that you can really be effective with where you tuck things and how many points you get. And everybody's trying to do the same thing. I gotcha. But there are still lots of cards and lots of tiles and lots of differences. One of the things I actually liked, and I think you mentioned this before too, is you have a mech, which has unique powers from everybody mm-hmm. else at the table. Then you have your playing character, which has unique powers from everybody else. He has a little animal. Companion? Called? Yeah, companion, who... Mm-hmm also is different and so everybody's playing a slightly different game out of the gate even though you are all trying to generally probably my favorite part of expeditions is that unique player integrating player powers that every time you're playing you will have a different mech or maybe the same mech but whatever you're going to have a different player combination combination with it and i find that very interesting yeah we should uh mention that at the beginning of the game there are some tiles that are face up and then there are a bunch of tiles that are face down. So during the game, you have to go out and explore, and you don't know exactly what the tiles are going to be. They are categorized as south, central, and north. So the north tiles will always be in the north. And you do play with all the tiles each game. So once you've played several times, you know what sort of actions are in those areas, Would but you don't nice know. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know which one you're going to get. Right. And so... Or how far apart they're going to be when you're trying right. to achieve your goal, your... Uh, what are your mission things called? Your quests? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so there are quests. These are cards that are looking for you to be on a specific tile and then take a solve action. And then you're going to have to pay some stuff and then you get some stuff. But yeah... Only one mech can be on each tile, so there can be times when I'm trying to solve a quest, but you know, Will won't get off the tile because he's not stay here. <laughs> taking a move action, and so I have to do something else for a couple turns before I can get to that tile. And I think I th- so the only time I've played it is at a four-player count. You guys have played it at a couple different counts. Does that change you significantly? Maybe I played it at five. One, two, three. Oh yeah, five. Look at that. We played it at <laughs> two-player and four-player and five-player. I think personally, a three-player, even though we haven't played it, 
Kevin's speculating. <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> might be the ideal. Three player to me probably is ideal. Two player was okay. Four player was getting a little bit ooh, just a little long because it's like I know what I want to do in my turn, and Ryan might want to speak to this a little bit, but it's like I just want to get back to my turn because you really are not interacting too much with. You know, there's no fighting. But they're, you know, right. like, they're taking Holding the spots. Holding spaces, maybe taking the cards. Taking cards. Wanted. But it's really like, I just want to do this on my turn and get done. Ryan, did you want to speak to that? Yeah, so speaking to that, in the five-player, when you play the game and you want to get all your actions back, you got to refresh. Well, I would take a turn. I'd be like, I'm going to refresh on my next turn. I'd just say that. And then I'd leave the room, you know, get a snack, use the restroom, chat with somebody, come back. It's only been two turns. Like, <laughs> Sorry, so it was a learning game. For some of yeah, so it, it can take a very long time at five turns at five players. So. Now, I think we still managed to play the whole game in like two hours. Under two hours, right? No, it was three. Three it was, was three it three? <laughs> time Pretty was fine. Sure. It, it was, was a learning so much game fun. for yeah. So three it, was, of you, though. it was learning for Will, Jonah, and Ryan. Molson had already played. Ryan had played before as oh, well. Oh, Ryan had yep. already played before. So yeah, his turns were. It quick. was learning though. <laughs> continued education. <laughs> So did you? What did you think of playing uh, the second time? Did you feel like it was a totally different game or experience? Well, I didn't win the second game, so it was totally different for me. <laughs> oh. No, it was it was good. Um, it was I, the first game I had the Marsh Strider, and there was only four players, so I felt like I could go wherever I wanted. Second game, I did not have the Marsh Strider, and everybody was clogging up my spaces. <laughs> <laughs> so it did feel very different. <laughs> was it like? Did you feel like you were attempting a different strategy because of the different players, or were you still trying to do the same thing you did before and it just didn't work? Oh, yeah. I mean, the second time my mech emphasized vanquishing, so I tried to do that more. I didn't do vanquishing at all in the first one, except I got the 20-point piece. Um, so, yeah, it's a very different game depending on what you have. I try to double down on my strengths. So I was like, oh, this guy, he gets green meeples, and he's good at vanquishing, so let's go. I felt like there was there is a lot going on in the game for the learning game. So I was like, okay, I'm just usually in a game if you pick two or three things and try to stick to them, like that's usually a winning strategy. It was not for me this time. <laughs> I picked the two or three wrong. Maybe things. you picked the wrong ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I did like that you were you're getting those stars out. So you're trying to the game when the is that the only game in trigger is getting four stars out. Mm-hmm. So we you can like see it coming and you're like you know it's getting closer but then all of a sudden everybody's saying like oh there's no way I can get my last star and you're like are you guys lying to me or is, this, <laughs> or, or do I, is there still hope in here like maybe I can get two more stars out here before the end of the game uh, I one of my big things whenever I play a game is I want there to be like a good I want there to be like this arc where it starts off slow and I can learn it and then it gets better and then I get to do cooler things. And at the end I have this like, you know, satisfactory feeling of I accomplished stuff, whether I won or or lost, like I want there to be that crescendo of, yeah, it was fun. I hate games where like uh, the last two turns of the game, you're not doing anything. Right. And I can tell like, Oh gosh, I already lost and I'm just wasting my time. I didn't feel that at all in this one. I had no idea how bad I was losing, but I was like, (laughs) well, you're definitely ramping up because all those cards you're tucking under are helping you whenever you add more cards. It's like, it's giving you extra power. The quest, even the quest giving you like a one-time thing, but you're getting extra core power and things like that. So yeah, I think that is very, I I agree. It has a good ending to it, which I, I enjoyed the entire experience. I'm ready to play it again. I've, I think I have more strategy ideas in mind, but uh, again, a lot of it is just reading the cards, understanding how they work, and then figuring out a good combination. 
which is good. I like those kind of games. Everdell is a game like that, and I really enjoy the, oh, yes, I got to look for that one, and I found this one, and I get this one for free, and all that kind of stuff. And that had some of that feel to it, really. Yeah. Um, again, we have a Viewpoints video on this, so you can watch that, where we say some similar things. We go over the theme, our likes, our dislikes, some final thoughts. I I have enjoyed Expeditions. I like games where there's a lot of variability. I like games where each time you play it, you can try something new. You're going to have a different combination, not only of the powers, but also the cards that are coming out and the locations of the tiles. So you have to adjust your gameplay. You have to be agile in kind of deciding how you're going to play. And I like those types of puzzly games where I feel like I'm doing new things, even though it's kind of the same things, but oh, I haven't seen this card before, or oh, I can string this and this, and if I get this item, I'm going to get bonuses or better things for doing this. So I like the interactions of the cards. Yep, yep, I totally agree. Um, I'm going to segue for just a minute. We didn't talk about this on the last one, but I did actually just get to play the new Lil, My Lil Everdell, which sorry, I threw an Everdell a second ago, so I had like a nice clean segue there. Do you like how I did that? Um, it's going, ta- <laughs> going down quick. <laughs> um we just got that to the table two nights ago, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. I don't know if you did. You, you kind of got crushed by your kids, but it was a – I Crushed liked it. bad. <laughs> um, I thought it was way harder than uh, My Little Game. Have you guys played My Little Scythe? Yes. Is it – tell me, like, weight comparison and things like that. Give me a quick Compared to other of- My Little Games, My Little Scythe, there's all, there is a lot going – no, I shouldn't say a lot, but it's more than, like, the Ticket to Ride, My First Journey, Have you, you know what that one is? Mm-hmm. So that's basically yes, – there's no cards. Like very kid version. Very kid. Like, you're just placing trains on doing – in My Little Scythe, like, you're collecting different types of resources. You're moving around the map. And things like that. So there, and you, and I think you have like twins. So you're moving two things at the same time um, out on the board. There's an expanion to my little side. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't know that. So pie, pie, pie in, in the, the sky. sky. Nice. I hadn't played that one yet. Okay. So so I was. I've played other games that were the kid version, mm-hmm. and they were very kiddy. And so I really was almost expecting this to be like Hi Ho Cherio with the Everdell mm-hmm. characters on it or something. But it was. I mean, it was still an hour-long game. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was long for a kid's game. It was great, though. I mean, it was like all the best parts of Everdell. That's cool. And I really enjoyed it. Age-wise, like, what do you think? Adult, but... <laughs> like, I mean, how our, young? our kids played it just fine, but they've also played sure. original Everdell. So. But like I said, my little side is like, to me, like six to nine. I think this is like... You have to... There's a few cards you probably need to be able to read. Okay. But... There's not enough that, like, if you couldn't read yet, that it would prevent you from playing. Like, right. As a kid, at the table you could help. So you're thinking a five or six year old then for my little or for my little over, potentially, over. but I mean, it's like it would need to be a gamer. It's hard. A it's, gamer's it's, family. It's, it's like entry level, but I mean, it's as complex or more complex than regular Ticket to Ride. Like, there's nothing not complex about it. You are still playing cards. You're still making change. You're doing, you're trying to get specific goals. Okay. You're trying to be the first one to get it's them. Simplify, streamlined. It is. It's <laughs> very Dell. much just streamlined. Everdell. There's. No, I I thought it was going to be a kid game. It's really just like an entry level. The big difference is when you play regular Everdell, there are coordinating um, creatures and um, the construction cards. Mm-hmm. So if you build the construction, you get the free creature. 
This one didn't have that. Okay. They were still coordinating in that the artwork they still matched. Work together and still score points off of each but, other. But um, they you didn't you get didn't f- get a free one. specific free one. Yeah, they basically they did they reduce a resource. There's no stone. Yeah, so and so basically everything just resource. costs a little bit less, so it's faster. But mm-hmm. it was basically like all the good stuff of Scythe, or of Scythe, <laughs> of Scythe in Everdell, of Everdell, wow. but in a streamlined version. So it was quick and snappy, and you only have, you don't like add extra workers and do other things. It was like the just simplified version of it. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I'll oh. probably play it. It wouldn't surprise me if I end up playing it more than normal Everdell just because it's quicker and easier to teach to people, and it was fun. Barry has a question. Yes. What's your Go question, for it, Barry? Sarah. What would you say this links? So we're ta- going back to expeditions. I was going to segue in there when we were talking about my little scythe, but I didn't get to. Uh, what would you say links expeditions to scythe? How is it a sequel and not just another game in the universe? Ooh, Good sequel. question. Well, it does use the same characters. So the characters that you have inside, they're the ones that are leading the expeditions. So you have... I don't know, Olga or whatever her name is, and the tiger. tiger yeah. um, so you do have those characters. Yeah, and um, as you mentioned earlier, it is kind of like in the timeline. So it, it's the same universe, and now the meteorite has crashed down. It's after the war, right? So the other other thing that <clears throat> we were discussing, the inside, you're placing your glory stars out when you complete different uh, achievements. You're doing the same thing like Melissa said, but also they're tied inside to your popularity to to get more points per star that's out there. And this one, you're, you're, you don't have popularity. The quests are those hearts and the number of quests that you have completed are going to help you get more points per glory star. So there is that connection as well. Um, of course you have the mechs, you have the art. Um, so all those things would definitely be in the same universe. I think the sequel is like the timeline portion of it. And Mm. then the, it just kind of like an evolution of um, mechanics because it's a lot of similar feels. I haven't played, but the iconography is. The oh same. yeah, sure, iconography is definitely there. Oh, and the other thing I mentioned, I think in, my, in our viewpoints, is inside you're moving your token to take an action, and you always have to take a different. You always have to move your token to move it to a different action. In this one, you're always moving your token, but in this one, when you move it, you get to take the actions you can see, not the actions that you're covering up, the action that you're covering up. I find that very interesting, too. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was saying. Like, it's kind of a neat evolution of mm-hmm. a mechanic that you were familiar with, that yep. you understood how to use, and you're like, oh, we're just going to shift the gear a little yeah. bit on it. I, it could be another one in the in the same universe. I don't know what you call that. I think that is just technically a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not Scythe 2. It's definitely a different game. Correct. So. Although I think it says sequel on the box, but I don't know. Yeah. But it's a different game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. I mean, that kind of wraps up our podcast episode. That's the kind of stuff we would normally talk about. So if you don't subscribe to our podcast, if you're just joining us on Facebook, then be sure to jump on your favorite podcasting platform and see if you can find the Tantrum House Board Gaming Podcast. Then you can listen to this great stuff. Every two weeks. Every two weeks. We publish on Monday morning, so you can drive to work on Monday and listen to board gaming stuff. But thank you guys for tuning in live. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. And thanks for the questions about TantrumCon. We will try to get information out about that as soon as we can because we are excited about it. We've appreciated the good feedback. I get lots of emails from people asking, is there any new information? And I keep being sad that I don't have anything new to share. But we will hopefully... Did we miss the opening? (laughs) You didn't miss it. We'll let you know. We'll make sure you know. But uh, as always, thank you guys so much for tuning in, having fun, playing along. We look forward to seeing you guys in the next one. Bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Tantrum House Board Game Podcast. If you liked any part of this at all, find and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and tantrumhouse.com. Like us, share us, email us, call us, or send us a postcard to Tantrum House, 306 Berry Drive, that's B-A-R-R-Y, Greer, South Carolina, 29650.